Welcome to the Sant-Mont Satsang Podcast. I'm James Bean. Today, two segments. I begin with a shorter segment about changing your life through Simran practice, the prayer or repetition of the name. And then the karmic law of the vegetarian diet, according to the teachings of Hazur Baba Sawan Singh. Two programs in one today on this Sant Mat Satsang podcast, a production of Spiritual Awakening Radio. The true spirit of Simran practice is love or bhakti. The word Simran means remembrance. It is the practice of repeating names of God in order to remember God. It is a sacred name repetition. Sometimes this practice is called the prayer of the name, zikr, manas jap. It's certainly the invocation of a mantra or series of mantras. In order to recenter, to refocus, not only during meditation, but during free moments of the day and the night, to make life itself a kind of meditation, to be able to return to your center anytime, anywhere, through the practice of repeating the name. The Supreme Being has been given many names, those initiated in Santmat, depending on the school of Santmat, will either be given five names, two names, or one name for the Supreme Being. These names all correspond to heavenly realms and, for the most part, are repeated or chanted mentally with the tongue of thought, chanted in your mind, and therefore is something you can do in the privacy of your thoughts wherever you go, anywhere, anytime. It's a kind of meditation which you can do anywhere, on the fly, or you may start your meditation practice with the repetition of the names of God, or Simran practice. The true spirit of Simran practice is love or bhakti, not a dry repetition, in other words. Simran is a term which means remembrance, the spiritual practice of remembering or being mindful of God by repeating or chanting various sacred names or one very special name of God. Devotees sing or chant various names for God, higher spiritually and more within, is the practice of manas jap, the mental repetition of God's name or names, with the tongue of thought. In other words, chanting names of God within one's mind. The saints, the saints, the masters of the East, have always placed much greater emphasis upon mental simran over any kind of vocal chant. It's more within. It's at a higher level and takes you inside to chant names of God mentally. There is, however, more to Simran practice than the repeating of sacred divine words, however. Simran is a spiritual exercise that must be approached with the right attitude, the right spirit, 
for one's intent determines how successful the practice will be and what effect it will have upon one's consciousness. Simran has never been intended to be a dry or lifeless mantra practice. The path of the sants is a bhakti path, a path of love and devotion for the Supreme Being. Thus the true masters have always instructed their students to repeat God's name with love and devotion, as a lover calling out to one's beloved, the Lord of Love. So the repetition of a name of God or various names is a kind of prayer, a kind of praise and meditation all at the same time. It says in a spiritual seeker's guide, without bhakti, without love, it is difficult to concentrate at the spirit pole. And Sant Dadu Dayal of Rajasthan once said, Repeat the name of your beloved day and night, again and again. With care in thought, word, and deed, you will cross to the other shore. So, this repetition is intended to be not only a mantra, but a form of praise, a kind of one-word prayer, and the answer to that prayer is the presence of God. It's something you can do in meditation, but it's also done anytime, anywhere you have a free moment, during your day, during your evening, or in the middle of the night. A couple of beautiful mystic poems of Sant Eknath of Maharashtra. I've always been very fond of the so-called Southern Sants of India. Not that Maharashtra is too far south, but it is south of the Northern Sant tradition, which tend to, tends to get most of the attention or most of the focus. But those great Sants of Maharashtra have contributed greatly and... There are some books featuring their writings translated into English. And lately I've been reading from the mystic poems of Sant Eknath of Maharashtra. In all you do, practice Simran. Whatever you're doing, giving or, or taking, laughing or playing, singing or eating, keep repeating the name. With your every action, keep calling God. Alone or with others, fighting or grinding grain, moving or sitting, keep calling him. At the end, when leaving your body, keep saying his name, says Eknath. That passage reminds me of the Bhagavad Gita, which describes someone passing from this life into the great beyond, focused at the third eye center remembering the divine, on the way out. And that's exactly what Eknath is saying. If you repeat God's name all of the time, coming and going, every day, as part of your spiritual practice, it becomes such an automatic thing that at the time of your physical departure from this world, you'll be repeating the name. And that's the best way to go. Repeating God's name exiting by way of the third eye center into the beyond. Another mystic poem from Sant Eknath of Maharashtra. Repeat the name during life 
and beyond. Sing the name and all your work will get done. This, the essence of all methods, will take you to the far shore. The name has liberated many, even the greatest offenders. So grand the name, yet so little effort it takes. Happiest of all are those who always repeat the name. The name is the essence. Know this fact to be true. The name takes troubles away, and bad deeds leave on their own. Whoever repeats the name, says Eknath, knows happiness now and liberation for eternity. Of course, those who practice Simran know just how wonderful it is, how powerful it is, how stress-reducing it is, how centering it is. It is a kind of panacea spiritual practice that puts things right. It's an absolute essential practice of the Sant tradition of India, the path of the masters. One of the most common mystic verses you'll find in any of collections of hymns or scriptures of the saints of any epoch is repeat God's name. The Karmic Law of the Vegetarian Diet by Huzur Baba Sanwan Singh. Spiritual Reasons, the Philosophy Behind the Vegetarian Diet in this Path of the Masters. Huzur Baba Sanwan Singh once said, I must point out that animal food, even if a single particle is eaten, is detrimental to spiritual progress. I want to share with you a longer letter, a longer spiritual discourse from Samhain Singh. I'll begin, however, defining a few terms that are going to come up during this letter. The first couple of terms pertain to attributes and conditions about the functioning of the physical material plane. Gunas, qualities, properties, or attributes, which constitute motor powers for all our deeds and actions according to our inherent nature. Tattvas, original condition or nature of matter, original conditions of matter. And prakritis, the source of all material existence, the first cause of the material manifest universe accounting for whatever is physical, both in terms of mind and matter, force or energy. The 25 tattva system concerns itself only with the tangible aspect of creation. So these terms pertain to the motor currents and energies behind the material world that we all find ourselves in. Those terms come up during this letter of Hazur Baba Sawan Singh. 
A human being cannot comprehend the existence of God and his creation until he has succeeded in getting his soul free from the bondage of the five tattvas, the twenty-five prakritis, the three gunas, maya, or illusion, and mind, all of which are enveloping it here, until he has emancipated his soul from every one of these errors and taken it beyond the sphere of mind and intellect and opened his internal vision. Only then is the soul able to know itself and understand what it is made of. After that, it becomes fit to seek its creator and to find out the ocean from which it originally descended, as well as the means to regain it. Consequently, before a disciple has succeeded in getting rid of these chains, it shall be sufficient for him to know that this world can be divided into two parts, land and water. The creatures of water live upon each other. Nature has not provided them with any other means of subsistence. Big fish are eating the little ones, etc., the same holds true of the land. Lions and tigers eat up wolves and jackals. The latter subsist on the meat of sheep, goats, etc. They in turn eat plants. Hawks eat smaller birds. Birds eat insects. And men eat most every form of life. So far as climate and special circumstances of their own countries permit. Every grain, every plant has life in it. Hindu philosophy has acknowledged this fact since very ancient times. Dr. Bose has demonstrated this fact to the European world by his experiments, showing that plants feel and breathe and have souls. If a ray of light is allowed to penetrate a dark room, the microscope reveals the numberless germs floating in the air of that room. The whole room seems to be full of this germ life. When we breathe, these tiny creatures go inside of us and die. When we walk, numberless creatures are killed by contact with us. And countless others are crushed beneath our feet. The same is true when we drink water. The microscope reveals countless tiny creatures in a tumbler of water. And these we drink to their death every day. Souls would appear to be literally packed together in all space in our world. If we put down a needle point on the earth, countless germs may be found beneath its point. And so, in our world, life is everywhere, destroying life. In such a world where one creature is eating up another, it is impossible to expect either justice or peace of mind. There is no rest or security anymore. Therefore, when the ancient sages found that in this world creatures were destroying each other, they decided it was better to give up the world. They found that in such a world there could be no peace of mind, and it was impossible to attain bliss until and unless the soul breaks away from the bonds which have kept it enchained and that it was folly to regard the pleasures of this world as means, as a means 
to happiness because they lead to hell and further bind the soul with karma and dirt. They determined that it was impossible to find peace of mind in any worldly object and that happiness lies within man himself and that ocean of which he is a drop. Therefore, the sages thought as long as they were confined in the prison of this world, they would adopt the course which was the least harmful. They would subsist on creatures, the killing of which was the least sinful. They discovered that all living beings of this world could be divided into two classes as regards the composition of their bodies and the number of elements they contain. By elements, they did not mean the 90 or so elements discovered by modern scientists, but the main conditions or divisions of matter. These are five such classes of substances. According to their classification, under class one came all of those creatures in whom all five of these substances are active, that is, man. In the next class came those in which only four substances are active and one dormant, and that is quadrupeds. In them there is no sense of discrimination because in them the akash tattva is dormant. In the third class fell creatures in which only three substances are active, namely air, water, and fire. They are birds. They lack earth and akash. The fourth class is made up of insects in which only two substances are active, air and fire. Then comes the last class, the fifth, in which only one element or substance is active, that is, the vegetable world. In them, water is the only active element. Experts have proved that in many vegetables, there is as much as 95% water. When the creatures of the other four classes are killed or injured, they cry out in pain, but not so the vegetables, though they have life. So the sages concluded that the eating of vegetables was the least sinful, the least burdened with karma. Although the eating of vegetables produced some karma, yet it was of a light nature which could be easily worked off by spiritual exercises. They thus chose the course of least resistance and so abstained from the killing of other forms of life. The method of practice of the sound current is the only method by which to escape this jail into which we are born. This method is natural and it was not designed by man. It is as old as the beginning of creation. The Creator is one, and therefore the way to reach Him is one, and it is in the interior of every human being. It is incapable of alteration, modification, addition, or improvement. Man is to reach the ocean of his origin by means of ascending the sound current, irrespective of any caste, creed, nationality, or sex. It is a practice for the awakening of powers within us. By slow degrees, our souls will emerge from the grave of the body or vacate it. 
In the body there are nine openings through which the soul communicates with this world. And these the soul learns to close and fix its attention at the back of the eyes. In other words, the third eye center. Then it begins to traverse higher planes. When it attains Turyapad, the astral, it will acquire control over the mind, senses, lust, anger, avarice, attachment, and egotism. At present, the soul is under the control of the mind, which itself is under the control of the senses. When we gain the astral after leaving the material, the soul gains control over the mind. When we get beyond the astral and the heavens and hells which are within the astral, all of these are left behind. The soul will then hold these in contempt and then it will go to Brahm Lok or the causal plane which contains Mukti or salvation planes. Brahm is also the servant of Parbrahm, therefore leaving Brahm, the soul should go to the Parbrahm, where it will be freed from all its shackles. On reaching Parbrahm, all the material, astral, and causative coverings of mind and matter that envelop the soul are removed. Then the soul is pure spirit. This is self-realization. Here there is no form, no cover, no shape, no youth, nor old age. Only the soul shining in its pure radiance, a drop of existence, knowledge, and bliss, capable of comprehending the great ocean, its creator. Now the drop tries to reach and mingle with the ocean. So, it is here in Parbrahm that one begins to realize the full significance of Santmat, the path of the masters. Hence, the only medicine for all our ailments is the practice of the holy sound, together with the master's spiritual help and guidance. The master is not a body only. He is the power which guides and helps us at every stage and in every region during our inward spiritual journey. When we are in the physical body, he instructs us in his physical form. When we go inward to the astral planes, he is in astral form, and as we proceed further, he assumes the form of each region all the way up to Sachkhand, our true home. Hazurababa Sawan Singh. couple more notes about that spiritual discourse of beloved great master Sawan Singh. Brahmanand, the second grand division in creation below Sachkhand. It is a spiritual material plane of the universal mind and subject to decay and dissolution. Par Brahmanand, the upper part of the second grand division or Brahmanand, where spirit predominates over matter, unlike in the lower part, also known as 
da samdwar, where both are at par. And finally, to define the term Sachkhand, the realm of truth, the first grand division in the creation, which is purely spiritual in essence and hence eternally the same and beyond the sway of the grand dissolution. Sachkhand is the divine realm, the purely spiritual region, the eternal, timeless spiritual region of spirit and truth beyond mind and matter. Today on the Satmat Satsang podcast, changing your life through Simran practice, remembering God by repeating his name or names. The karmic law of the vegetarian diet from a spiritual discourse of Hazur Baba Sawan Singh, who says, although the eating of vegetables produced some karma, yet it was of a light nature which could be easily worked off by spiritual exercises. Thus they, the sages, chose the course of least resistance and so abstained from the killing of other forms of life. Hazur Baba Sawan Singh, speaking about the great sages of India, and the philosophical reasoning behind a plant-based diet. The diet of least suffering, least karma that we can partake of and get by with just fine in this world. And then that spiritual discourse of Hazur Baba Sawan Singh turned into a discussion of the ascension of the soul, the path of the sound current, Surit Shabd Yoga, the ascension of the soul, the drop merging back to the ocean of love, once again, merging into the ocean of Satchkhand. My name is James Bean. The Satmat Satsang podcast is a production of Spiritual Awakening Radio, heard every week at this time. To get in touch with me, my email address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. James at spiritualawakeningradio.com. If you have any questions or comments or are in search of a book or a link to something, or you can text me at this number in the U.S., you can text me at this number, 508-603-9381. Visit my website, spiritualawakeningradio.com. There is a donate button at the website. There are buttons that take you to my blogs at Blogspot and WordPress for daily spiritual quotes at social networking sites like Tumblr. There are buttons to not only Tumblr, but Twitter and the Santmont Facebook page. Buttons that will take you back to YouTube. 
And uh, you can look for me at Apple Podcasts now as well. Got a few shows coming soon to Apple Podcasts, Spiritual Awakening Radio at Apple Podcasts. And uh, more soon to follow. More announcements to come on the podcast front. Once again, visit my website, spiritualawakeningradio.com. Thanks to those who have donated in the past and uh, continue to donate to support this online spiritual mission and radio program. Tune in again next week at the same time for the next edition of the Sant Mat Satsang podcast.